to work with our hands and give. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and those, those things. They are so important in your lives. If you back up in Galatians chapter 5, above the fruit of the Spirit, you find the works of the flesh. And it says hatred, adultery, all these things that are there. And our flesh, let me tell you, our flesh is strong. Our flesh is strong. And hatred, envy, strife, contentions, and those things are all products of the flesh. And when he's saying here that when our flesh, when we allow our flesh to run rampant without checking it with the fruit of the Spirit and overcoming the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, if we don't do that, the flesh will take us to a place as just what he says here. Listen to what he says. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So what happens is that you can place, you can place whatever you want to put in there. You can say, give birth to anger, gives birth to wrath, gives birth to adultery, gives birth to whatever you want to put in there, and it will fit. Because he's talking about sin. And anger, when it is full grown, will bring forth death. And where does that come from? It comes from a bitter heart. I'm going to tell you, when you become bitter, you affect everything around you. Everyone around you. You affect your children. You affect your wife or your husband. You affect your parents. You affect your friends. You affect your pastor. And you need to stop it. <laughs> Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12, please. Back up just a few pages. 12, verse 14. Last week we talked about this, and, and we'll, we'll even talk more about it. Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking diligently lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator, profane person, and, and you know, you can, you can again add any of these things you want to when it talks about that, it all fits into the whole concept of the root of bitterness spring up and defile many. Here's what happens in many people's lives. What, what happens is that when we are dealing with areas of our lives, sometimes we deal with that which is obvious. We see the things that are obvious, the plant above the ground. How many of you realize and all know if you go out and whack off a weed with a hoe, you go back in two weeks and it's still there, right? And it comes right back and you don't even have to water it, right? <laughs> It'll come back all by itself. Why? Because that taproot is down into 
the water. It's getting the nourishment it needs, and it will come back up again. And if you don't deal with the root, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says that he's wiped out the plant above and the root below. He's taken that thing, and he's rooted it out, and it's gone, and it's completely finished. What happens in our lives, people, is that when we suppress issues such as anger and hurts and those type of things that come into our lives, hatred, when we suppress those, we bury them, and those things are still alive in your life. And here's kind of the way it is. I'm walking with the Lord. This thing comes up. I I get rid of it. I, I, I repent of it. I do all these different type of things. I destroy the plan above, but I don't go to the root of the problem and deal with the problem that's causing the symptom. All I'm doing is dealing with the symptoms and not the problem itself. The problem itself may be a deep hurt where someone has hurt me deeply. And I, I, I gloss it over by saying, I, you know, I, I forgive that person and I say it in my mind, but it's not in my heart. And what happens is that root is still there. And as I travel along life, that thing goes right along with me. And somewhere along the line, it comes and it resurfaces and it brings up some really bad fruit. And what it does is not only defiles me and gives difficulty in my life, but it affects all those around me. It says, lest a root of bitterness spring up and defile many. Not just a few, but many. So a root of bitterness in your life can destroy not just you, but those around you and will cause trouble. And so I want to I dig into that. I want to dig deeper into that today. I want to get into that issue deeper than we did last week. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something very dangerous. I'm going to have someone that got ministered to last week that got freed and blessed stand up and give a testimony. So what did God do last week? Right. That's always been a challenge. Last week, it really just ministered to my heart and cut me right to the core. That if God forgives me, yes. what right do I have not to forgive myself? Amen. I'm looking for a microphone because I want them recorded. Is there one back here? You guys have one somewhere? I don't see one anywhere. I know you used one, drummer. You gave it back to who? All right. All right, got one coming? There we go. Yeah, but I can't move that around. All right, so I want this recorded. Okay, give it to us again. We didn't get it the first time. How about now? All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, last, last week, um, it really just, it was like a knife piercing through my heart. It, it's a lot easier to forgive other people. Yes. It's a lot harder to forgive yourself. Yes. 
um, you know, it, we, we can come sometimes basically, you know, have higher expectations for ourselves than we do other people around us. And, uh, and God was showing me, hey, if he's going to forgive me, what right do I have not to forgive me? Absolutely. You're stealing my message. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's all right. Anyone else? God touched a lot of people last week. You know, I asked how many people need to forgive someone. About a third of the congregation raised their hands. We had our, uh, we had our head bowed. We had our eyes closed. I said, how many people here need to forgive someone? And like a third of the hands went up in this place. And then I asked, how many of you need to forgive yourself? And probably half of the people in here raised their hands. So I'm hoping that God did more work than in just one person. So who else did God touch and minister to last week? Yes. You know, being a, I'm in a talking mood today, so here we go. <laughs> being a married man, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of forgiveness to have, you know, um, with dealing with stepchildren and a mixed family and, and, and things. And through, through our years of being married, we've gone through our trials, you know, in, in areas. I'm just grateful that, that God has given me just this ability to just keep going with life and let that fire just die on its own. And I say this all the time. You know, what are we doing here every Sunday? You know what I mean? We're, 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 we're on a means to, to betterness, you know, and I'm just glad and grateful that God gives me that. Like, where if a dog bites me today, I'll feed it tomorrow. It's just, and I know not everybody's built the same, but that's my testimony. About Amen. That. All right. So I'm looking for someone who had a breakthrough in their forgiveness. And Chauncey talked about his forgiving of himself. Anyone else have a breakthrough of forgiving someone else that maybe you've been holding something or whatever? Nobody going to respond. I'm going to preach this in four weeks in a row. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, I've... I'd struggled most of my life with uh, forgiving my dad. And, uh, last week was very eye-opening. And uh, I've talked about it before most of my life. I've talked about it with people thinking I was, uh, I was forgiving him. And uh, I don't think I really did until last week. But it's allowed me to open my heart up to other forgivenesses as well as uh, forgiving myself for life failings or, or whatever. But um, I think uh, it's allowed me to step through um, a doorway into new uh, freedoms uh, for my life, which translates into my family as well. Right. Thank you. Good. You know, just so you know, um, we have, uh, on Saturday morning, we have what we call a men's fellowship breakfast. And we don't have a particular agenda. We come together, we have breakfast, we start at 8 o'clock, we're done at 9, people can go and do whatever they want, but we, we kind of hang out sometimes. 
Well, we had a great conversation about this very thing this last week. We talked about the message before, and there were several of the, the men there were talking about how they were still struggling with forgiving others that had hurt them. And how do we get past that place? How do we get to a place to where we can really be free from that anger and that bitterness and that, that stuff that, that causes us to have in our mind's eye when we see that person's face or their name comes up, there's associated that hurt and that bitterness. How can we get to a place to where we, we when, when, when our mind's eye sees that person's face, we see someone who needs Jesus. We see someone who needs to be forgiven. We see someone who is, is uh, if in fact that's the case, very depraved and, and struggling and needing to get saved. Because most likely if they don't know, and if they don't know Christ, they're going to hell. And so how can we get past that place of seeing them as hurtful but, but seeing them with pity, like God would see them. Those are, those are things. And we do that by praying for them. We pray for them genuinely and say, God, would you really honestly and truly, would you bless them? Would you reveal yourself to them? Would you extend your forgiveness to them? Would you help them see that they need to repent and come to a place before the Lord. So then when we see them in our mind's eye, it's no longer associating them with the hurt and the pain and the hatred and the bitterness, but we see them as those who need to be saved, those who need to have their lives straight, those who need to come to a place where they are walking in the faith that the Lord has available to them. We see the difference? And you can do that if you genuinely pray for them. It can happen. It will happen. I can tell you there's some things that are impossible. It is impossible to genuinely consider and constantly pray for a person and continue to hate them. Mm -hmm. Can't do it. If you're praying for them and you still hate them, you're not praying with a genuine heart. You need to change your heart. <laughs> Woo, Pastor! All right, so I want to I want to uh, I want to talk about last year or last week was a serious revelation to me because I, I talked about how that I, I was uh, I talked about being a lousy son I wasn't I wasn't rebellious all those things I talked about that but the Lord has revealed to me I need to forgive myself for those things and move on. And just, you know, I, I, it's a great revelation to me. I've released several things in my life, and I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to releasing more as they come up. If things that come our way and bother us, we, we all have them, right? <laughs> oh, man. Let's remember there are several themes in the Bible. But there is one of them that stands out from all of the rest. It's the love of God. The love of God is a theme that surpasses our ability to understand it. The love of God surpasses our ability to, to, to grasp it fully. And the forgiveness 
that is the result of that love. That is the greatest themes of the scripture. It's all about relationships. It's all about our relationship with God. It's about our relationship with others. But the love of God, which allows us to be forgiven, for without forgiveness, we will be lost for eternity. And he has forgiveness. I'm going to give you a 30-second drill. All right. In this 30 seconds, I want you to take 15 seconds and see how many things that you can remember that you did that were stupid. (laughs) Come on. Come on. Let's start right now. You already filled the bucket up already? Don't take long, does it? All right, now take the next 15 seconds. Think about things that other people did that were stupid. No, 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 it's not way more. My point is, my point is, and if, unless there's something wrong with you, you recall your stupid acts just like that. You have to really think about what other people have done that were stupid. Is that true? You know why? Because people think about, they don't think about you. They think about themselves. They don't think about the stupid things that other people do. And a lot of people have done a lot of stupid things that we will never remember, never think about, and never come back to our mind. But things that we do that are really stupid, even if we're Christians, that's when it really bothers us because we think, I'm a new creation. How could I be that stupid? How could I be that dumb? How could I do that? I had something that bothered me for years. And one day, I just went to the guy that was with me when I did it. And I said, I'm going to take a risk here. And I asked him, I said, do you remember this event? He said, Yeah, yeah, I remember going there and doing this. I said, do you remember what I did? He goes, what'd you do? (laughs) See, the point is, all this time, it bothered me. But he never remembered anything about it. Because it was something I did that was stupid, and he was used to it. So (laughs) it's like... <laughs> he said, "You do stuff like that all the time. I mean, what's what's the deal?" So last week, here, here I just want to review a little bit of last week when we talked about three different things that we wanted to do. I talked about if we had good fathers, that we should express our gratitude for them to let them know that we really appreciated them as a good father. And we also talked about acknowledgement and a need for improvement. If we had relationships that were kind of at that place where sometimes good, sometimes bad, you know, that sort of thing. If there's something we can do to improve the relationship, let's do it. You know, we talked about that. Uh, and, and I said, if you want to, you will find a way. If you want to improve your relationship, you will find a way. There are, are ways to do it. 
And then I talked about extended forgiveness. Now, I just want to read this. It says, if we have held on to hurts, anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness, there most likely is a need to repent on our part before we can effectively forgive others. I may need to go to the Lord and ask the Lord to forgive me for holding on to this hurt and bitterness and anger so that I can get free of it from a place where I can then go humbly to the person who has hurt me and or ask for forgiveness for them or whatever it might be. Those things are there. And I said that deep-seated anger... There are very serious and intense hurts and abuses in some of our relationships. I'm not, I, you know, I realize you can't, you can't paint this stuff with a rose-colored brush and everything is just cool. It's not. The reality is there are hurts and abuses that we have experienced in our lives. Many of us have experienced those. It's a reality. Deep-seated anger, hatred, and bitterness have plagued us all our lives from those things. And in those circumstances, God does not ask us to forgive. He commands it and he demands it that we forgive it. He doesn't give us the option. It's not, well, this is too, this is too serious to forgive. No, he doesn't say that. And then we talked about the misnomer of that, well, how do I know if I forget and if I still remember? Forgive and forget is not a valid statement. There are things in your life you will never, ever forget, ever. But that doesn't mean that you can't be free and when it comes to forgiving the person that it happened. And a lot of people think, well, just because I haven't forgotten, I haven't forgiven. No, that's not true. Because there are things you will never, ever forget, ever. But you can still be free of it when it comes to forgiving the person that caused it. And so I just wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit before I move on, because I, I do want to touch on some other things. And, and I want to talk about one other thing that we didn't talk about last week. Maybe you have forgiven. There were several of you in here that did not raise your hand, that you have maybe forgiven all those that you have need to forgive, and you're walking in that victory, praise God. And that's an awesome thing, to be walking in victory when it comes to this. I'm going to tell you that, that the, there is a huge percentage of Christians that are not walking in that victory a huge percentage that are not walking in that victory, that are still allowing unforgiveness to be present in their lives. And it will hinder them. And if it's not dealt with, they will become bitter. It will happen. It is just a part of the process. But you know someone who has not forgiven you. There may be someone that you know that has not forgiven you and your relationship is either no longer existent or is very, very strained 
because you know someone is holding unforgiveness toward you. Is there anything you can do to humbly make an effort to make it right? Is there something you can do? Is there a way you can contact them? Is there a way you can, you can make yourself available? Can you, in humility, go to that person and, and see if there is some way you can restore that relationship? I believe that there probably is. And that's when you have to understand the scripture in Romans 12, that if it is possible, which sometimes it may not be, because there are some people who will never forgive you. And that's the way it is. But if it is possible, as much as resides in you, as much as you have the ability to live at peace with all men, as much as depends on you, we can take it and say, I've done everything I can. See, I ask you a question. Because sometimes we think that that these relationships, I'm going, to have to, I'm going to have to humble myself to the place where I almost embarrass myself to go and, and see if this person will forgive me. And so I ask you the question, is your pride more important than that relationship? Is your pride more important than that relationship. I'm going to tell you that that's the way it is in a lot of people. They will not go back and repent for anything. They will not go back and try to make it right simply because they are too prideful to do it. They will not eat crow. And I said last week, if it's prepared properly, crow ain't too bad. It's not too bad. And you know what? The more you eat it, the better it tastes. You kind of get used to it. It's not too bad. So if you know that someone has awed against you, you you know, the Bible says this, if you know that you have offended someone, you need to go to them and make it right. But there's also another scripture. And that scripture is in Matthew chapter 5. And he said, but I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother, we've all heard this, without a cause, shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of counsel. And whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell. Uh, Mr. T is in serious danger. (laughs) Everything he said, you fool. (laughs) Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. And first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Yeah, but what if he won't reconcile? Then you go to Romans 12 and say, as much as lies within us, if it is possible. We do our best. 
we make the effort. And we say, okay, you know what? I did what I could. The, the person's not responding. I can't do any more. My conscience is clear. That's what Paul said. My conscience is clear. <clears throat> Proverbs 16, 7 says this. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. Now listen to this. That's a pretty large scripture when you expand it out. What does it take to please the Lord? To please the Lord means that we, first of all, we have to walk in faith because without faith we cannot please him, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11. So I must have faith, first of all, to be able to please the Lord. And to walk in the, the commandments of the Lord, to walk in his ways, to walk in his principles, to walk in, in the things that he would have us to walk in are pleasing unto the Lord, obviously. And so if I am wanting to please the Lord, I first must have to have faith, and then I must take those things that he just told me, like right here, I got to make it right. I need to do these things. And if I do all that he says, then I have, as Paul says, I have a clear conscience. I've done all that I know how to do in those situations. I've done my best. I presented it out there. <clears throat> Let's go back to the greatest theme in the Bible. The love of God providing forgiveness for all of us. See, all of those things that, all those stupid things that come to your mind that you have done are under the blood of Christ. They are forgiven. They are covered. They are clean. They are over. They're done. I am a new creation. In Christ Jesus, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. I am walking in the, the, the walk of the Lord. Praise God. Therefore, the love of God providing forgiveness for all of us. Therefore, giving us the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive others and to forgive ourselves. To forgive others and to forgive ourselves. David is an example. The Bible says that David had a heart after God, after his own heart. And yet David broke at least four of the commandments in one incident. He coveted Uriah's wife. He coveted her. So do not covet your neighbor's wife, their, their donkey, or any of their possessions. Coveting is, is the very last commandment, which covers almost all of them, when you think about it. Why do I steal? Because I covered something somebody else has, so I steal it. <laughs> Why do I commit adultery like David did? Because I coveted someone's wife and I took her and I committed adultery with her and she with him. 
Why do I lie and deceive? Because I'm trying to get something most likely that someone else has. Why do I murder? Because they're in my way from some goal that I have. Coveting moves right through the whole thing. So David coveted. He committed adultery. He lied and deceived and manipulated. And he literally committed murder by the hand of one of his mighty men. I tell you, there's nothing more despicable in my mind than to take a man who was one of your mighty men, one of your mighty warriors, who put you on the throne. That's that's who put David on the throne. We know it was all from the power of God, but it was his mighty men who came and were with him through thick and thin, man. They were with him through all the difficulties and trials and tribulations that he went through to become king. And when he became king, they were still there. They were out fighting the battles. And his mighty man is out fighting a battle for him, and he's out messing with his wife. That's pretty despicable. And yet God forgave him. God forgave him. Do you think David had a hard time forgiving himself? Yeah, probably. I think he probably had quite a few bouts with that kind of stuff going on. He said, man, oh man, I had my friend who put me on the throne murdered. Mm. As Chauncey mentioned, if God is willing to forgive us, the creator of the universe who knows everything about you. He knows the hair on your head. He knows your thoughts before you think them. He knows every detail of your life intimately, and he knows you all together. If he is willing to forgive you, do we usurp his authority by refusing to forgive others and to forgive ourselves? Do we put ourselves in his place as judge when we come to a place of refusing to forgive other people for what they have done to us or refusing to give, forgive ourselves for the things that we have done when the Bible is as clear as anything that we are forgiven by God Almighty? Do we usurp his authority in holding on to those things? It's a good question to answer, isn't it? So we have to ask those questions. Do we put ourselves in his place by judging others and judging ourselves? And I think we do. I think we do. I'd like to have some music, my wife.
I would call her honey, but sometimes people get confused because they don't know she's my wife. I'm going to do a couple things. We, we're, we're going to get out maybe a little bit early, but then maybe not. Depends on what God does with you and your heart. And just bow your heads and wait upon the Lord, if you would, please. I don't know everybody here. I don't know if everybody here has been born again, that has received Christ as their Savior. I don't know that. But you probably do. If you're here and you've never received Christ as your Savior, you've never repented of your sin, You've never acknowledged the fact that Christ died on the cross to pay your debt. You've never made a conscious decision to receive Christ as your Savior and repented and asked for forgiveness. If you're here this morning and you have not done that and you want to do that, I just ask you to raise your hand because the Lord is here to touch your life. If, you, if there's anyone here that's never been saved. As the Lord gave me instruction last night that there are still people who are struggling with forgiveness. They're just struggling with it. They're having a hard time with it. And you want to acknowledge that this morning. If you're still struggling with it and you haven't been set free to be able to forgive other people, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to be acknowledging that you're still struggling with forgiving someone. Okay. A lot of hands still going up. So I know God is still at work. And if you're still here and you're still struggling with the issue of forgiving yourself, I want you to raise your hand. Get, get it up there. Yeah, a lot of people. Listen, that's, let's do business with God this morning. I want us to come to that place where if I'm holding that unforgiveness towards someone else, people, the Bible is not just clear, it is so crystal clear that God requires that we forgive those people. Like I said, he doesn't ask. He commands and demands that we forgive. And we have to make the effort by praying and asking God to help us and also to bless that person that hurt us. It may be the hardest thing you've ever done in your heart to genuinely pray and say, God, would you bless that person? Would you reach them? Would you save them? Would you see that, that the work would be on, to set them free and in the same time setting me free? And forgiving yourself 
It's the hardest thing to do because you always live with yourself. Let me tell you this. Thoughts that come to your mind are not sin. They come in like a flood. They come in unexpectedly. We don't think about them. We don't ask for them. They just come. They're temptations. What we do with them depends on whether they become sin or not. If I, if I take them and I, and I entertain them and I add to them, then yeah, they become sin if they're, if they're sinful thoughts. But temptation is not sin. And so what I do with those thoughts that come in, I say, Lord, take them. Paul said this, I bring every thought into captivity. And when that thought comes, I build a wall around that thing. And I say, no, Lord, I'm not going there. Thank you, Lord. God's working in here this morning. God's working here. I am one grateful pastor to know this, that God wants to, he wants to express his love to you by helping you forgive yourself this morning and to forgive others. Just going to pray for you and I'm just going to release you to the Lord. If you have another prayer need, the prayer team will be here available for you, but I'm just going to give you to Jesus right now. Father, I come to you for this people. God, I'm, I'm privileged to be able to speak into their lives, and I thank you for that. But God, I can't, I can't change a heart. I cannot do what you do. And now I ask you to do that which I cannot do, and that's to touch every person right where they are and deliver them from this bondage. That they may be set free. Free from unforgiveness. Free to love and to walk in your love, walk in your forgiveness and to walk in that freedom that we sang about this morning. We are free in you. God, I pray that, Lord, you would bless our meal and our fellowship. God, thank you for those who have worked so hard to put it on. I love you, God. And I thank you that we have the opportunity to love others and to be loved by you, God. Thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you so much for coming. Go clean out some of that chili, will you, and salad. And if you have not been to our welcome dinner, sign up. We're going to have a great time, and it will be a fun day. Praise God.